Welcome to the Activating Consciousness podcast platform. This platform is an amalgamation of a number of platforms from HexoChange, including Activating Consciousness, the Right Here, Right Now live show, the Inside Out show, and also the repurposing of a number of blogs, vlogs, poems, and other forms of media that all combine together are here to offer you the opportunity to raise the level of consciousness in yourself, in those around you, and in society at large. We believe at HexoChange that we are on the cusp of an exponential shift in human consciousness, unleashing the potential that we have never imagined possible. We hope to go on that journey with you together, and feel free to subscribe at hexochangenow.com. One word for regular updates. See you around. So, as we record this, Adrian Weatherall, it is 11.09 on the 12th of February 2021, and I can still see snow. Is there snow anywhere? There is still snow on my front garden, yes, there is, on the grass. It's still snow. I don't know if you can clarify it as snow, maybe it's just ice now, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's still white bits on the the front lawn. (laughs) Well, welcome to the conversation today. Adrian, really good to meet you. How how are you doing today? I'm very, very well, thank you, Gary. Very, very honoured to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. No, not at all. I appreciate you answering the call when we put it out a few months ago. So, of course, you and I met via the you know the wonderful Humans First community, but there's a lot more to you, which is why I was really interested to get you on to the onto the conversation today. And actually, before we jumped on today, you, I don't know, you really piqued my interest around your sort of summation, really, of the world of work and sort of the paradigm that unfortunately we still often innocently conform to and I wonder like do you mind inviting our listeners into that little exploration I think it's a really great seed for where we're going to go today yeah well basically um the, the way I I perceive um the world of work certainly through my experience is that we 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 tend not to be the same people we are at home as we are at work or at least throughout the throughout the the, the years you know you go to work and you're not the same person that you are at home with your family with your loved ones and that's a shame because I think that we have so much to offer as human beings as the people that we are I mean the real people that we are our kindness our generosity our ideas our beliefs our, our, our spirits and we, we sort of bury that deep down inside us when we go and 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 and, and enter the world of work enter the world of employment because we take on the mantle we put upon the uniform of that business, of that company, of our employer. They tell us what they want us to be, what their expectations of us are. And I think that we're missing a trick in business because people are not one dimensional. And yet, you know, I, I, I appreciate all the issues with people who are in business saying, well, you know, if we had the time to, to explore every avenue of every human being that we employed, you know, we'd never get anywhere. I appreciate that. I, I don't have the answers, but I'm saying that if there were a way that we could actually figure out who people really are that are working for us or working with us, we could elicit so much more from people, their value for the business that we're doing. I I, I was also saying to you that it feels very much to me and always has done that business work is very much militarized. You know, we put on a uniform we become the people that that business or that that enterprise wants us to be. And we follow their orders. We do their bidding in order to put bread on our table. And that's what we do. And we give up 
we, we, we bury down again who we really are. We sacrifice almost who we really are in order to do someone else's bidding, wear someone else's uniform. Uh, we sacrifice ourselves, our, our true beings, in order to simply put money on the table. And that's a hell of a trade-off when you really think about it. It's a hell of a trade-off. Why do we become other people when we're good enough as we are? I mean, really, we are. What a beautiful, beautiful proposition. You've really got me thinking about how often I wore that suit. <laughs> as, as we all <laughs> that, do. That, that, that armour, and it's really funny. And, you know, I still fall into it. Of course, we all do. Work, I still work in corporates, you know, Adrian. But I, I, I just think you're bringing such a visceral feeling and image for those that are joining us now as you are for me which is <laughs> the uniform the suit the dress code my god we still have dress code policies in most organizations you must look like this otherwise you are not professional inverted commas and one of the yeah. things i've really enjoyed if i'm honest Adrian, i love your thoughts on this uh spot the professional person right now sitting at home in their pjs doing a zoom call <laughs> Like it's been completely obliterated because yes. of the pandemic. Yes. Well, I mean, my insight personally, if, if, if people want to question that, I worked for the police for, for 12 years. Now that's as close as, as I can get to, to, to the military analogy that I used. You put on a uniform and you suddenly, in most cases, not all, I'm pleased to report, you become a different person. Uniform has that effect on people. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's been written about. Wearing a uniform, and that doesn't mean to say it has to be a military or a police uniform, any form of uniform, uniform, the same as everyone else who you work with, has that it, altering power to your mindset that you are now part of a collective where you have to behave as the rest of the collective does. And my issue with, with, with work is that, as I said to you before we went live, was that from this military point of view, when you work for a company, it feels to me very much like a, a bloodless battle against another military operation, i.e. another company, your competition. We're competing. We are the red team. We all wear red ties. That's our, our, our competition over there. They're all wearing blue ties and, and we have to fight them and we have to win. We have to overtake them, perhaps. We have to decimate them. Uh, that, that there needs to be a, um, a sort of uh, um, hostile takeover, you know, that sort of thing. I can't help feeling that I understand it. Of course I understand it, but I can't help feeling that it's detrimental to us as human beings in the end. There has to be a workaround where we all have a common purpose, a common goal to improve society, improve ourselves, and move to a higher plane of thinking where we're not just playing you know a, a, a flesh and blood board game of i'm better than you are why can't we move forward as an entire society as an entire planet of people where we're trying to expand our minds together utilize this combined collective rather this rather exclusive collective of companies if we included everybody as one giant collective of the planet you know the, the, the world is literally ours such beautiful provocations like my mind's going in 50 different directions in, in response to that and I think the thing that there's there's two things that I'm picking up on Adrian as, as you position what many may go it's a bit utopian well, that's never going to happen is it not in my lifetime 
And I'm sitting here going, well, actually, what you've just spoken to brilliantly and so eloquently is if we leverage our diversity, i.e. the non-uniformity of life, of which is what represents, we're all intersectional. Yeah. We're both whites. Some people be black, some people will be gay. Yeah. Some people will be doing caring responsibilities. Like we are all intersectional beyond just what we see on the front cover. And we aren't leveraging that. And everybody's talking about bring diversity, the tragic murder of George Floyd. Like everyone's talking about it, Adrian. Yeah. But it is the secret source, is un to unleash our humanity in an inclusive and diverse way. I believe is actually the fulcrum of everything you're speaking about, actually. But feel free to challenge your build on no, that. No, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I'm, I'm gonna ask you a, a rhetorical question. What's holding us back and, and, and what's stopping us? And, and part of, of, of the answer to that is elitism. We have this, as human beings, this, this terrible affliction where we, it, it's ego, basically it's ego, where we want to be better than the next person. We sort of, we measure ourselves. This is a human condition. You know, we all have this problem. It, 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 it's just something that we need to be aware of. And at some point in the future, I, I hope that we can, we can surmount. But we have this problem where we're always measuring each other. And in order to feel better than the person next to us by measurement, we, we, we tend to have this elitism where I look for something that I can measure myself where you no longer uh, are a competitor. I'm trying to think of this saying, it's just gone out of my head, typically, uh, where if you measure the intelligence of a, uh, something about a fish being in a tree, and if you were to measure the, the fish's climbing skills, it would be you know, useless. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about. Um, please feel free, everybody, to, 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 to look up that, that fish analogy in the tree. I've forgotten it. It'll come back to me. But, but if we measure people based on, oh, well, I'm, I'm only going to judge you on this particular skill and whether you have the qualification for this, then we sort of say, well, I've got the qualification and you don't. It doesn't mean to say you, you can't do it. There are plenty of things that each one of us do every day of our lives that we don't have qualifications for, and yet we do extremely well. We are extremely capable uh, beings. Um, but that isn't taken into consideration. Companies, businesses, enterprises, we, uh, it, it, it's, it's born into us through education. If you can't pass this exam, then you're going to have to, to stay behind and resit this year. It, it's instilled in us from a very young age that if you don't pass criteria, that you are then siloed, you are, you, you are, you are reduced to being considered um, less than. There's that measurement. You are less than. You're less than the rest. You're less than the collective. Everyone else in your class who are the collective, you're less than them because you couldn't, you couldn't do what they did. And we need to be bigger than this. We need to stop focusing on what they can't do. Focus on what they can do. Focus on what they bring. And then also focus on, well, was it the way that the lesson was delivered? Just because 90% of them got it, well, lucky for them, they have the same mindset the way the teacher was thinking. Good for them. It doesn't mean to say the teacher was necessarily good or great or wonderful. They were just on the same, they had the same neurons firing. They understood the way it was delivered. That poor one, two, three, five percent of the class that didn't get it, it doesn't make them less. It makes them different, but it doesn't make them less. I love that so much. And I just want to hold space for that beautiful sort of quote. Um, so, if, so I just love it because you've reinforced it. Everybody is a genius. 
but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. And that is where we are, Gary, in my opinion. And we haven't moved. We've been like this for thousands of years. And we need, we need in the 21st century, you know, we're becoming more awake. We're becoming more alive. We're becoming more aware of everything that we do on this planet. And we need to realize that business, society, community, personal relationships are all one. They're not separate entities. We shouldn't, going back to the beginning of our conversation, be one person at home and be one person at work, which are two different people. We need to be one and the same person, which I, you know, I saw a lot of on LinkedIn where people were, were starting to drop the facade. They were starting to share more personal attributes and, and, and personal memories and, and, and opinions and, and stuff like that, which brings about you know, the, the, the old phrase that, that you want to be someone that people do business with because they like you not necessarily because they want to get something from you or exploit you or anything like that. You always want to do business with someone that, that, that you, you enjoy, you enjoy their company. You know them, you feel a connection with them because you find things in common or even you find things that aren't in common that you want to learn more about. You think, yeah, this guy's great. I didn't know about this. I want to be friends with this chap. And that is really at the core, in my opinion, the true essence of real business. Businesses is a humanitarian transaction, not a financial one. When we make a relationship, when we meet someone in the street, think of all your friends that you've ever known that that perhaps didn't come from school, that perhaps didn't even come from work. You're kind of forced together. So so eventually you gel into some kind of friendship. But, uh, you know, some of us have have bumped into people in the street, literally in the street or on holiday, on a two-week holiday, and, and you meet lifelong friends. And that's just through... You know, that th- there was no exploitation of, oh, you know, I'm going to get something from this person and uh, maybe they'll get something from me, but I'm going to win. I'm going to get more out of them than they're going to get from me. Ha ha, I win. It- it's not about that. It's about, well, I-, I like where this person's coming from. I like what they have to say. I like what they are giving to me, be it feeling, be it, be it, be it something tangible. And that should be what business, in fact, I, I would really like to-, to-, to do away with the whole word business because it has such a, it has many negative connotations. Um, it sounds so cold. We need just the word relationship or something similar. And that's really what it should be about, the relationship between customer uh, and, and you know, uh, the person who's, who's giving to that customer. I really love, it. what I really do love about this discussion is you're tackling a lot of very real, <coughs> excuse me, business challenges. So we've got one in three people being fully engaged. We've got a severe lack of inclusion and diversity within organisation. So there's a lot of symptoms that we can speak to all day long. But what's the root cause? And I believe you are speaking beautifully to what the root cause is, which is disconnection. Disconnection to ourselves as leaders of organisations, because we are not showing up as that whole person. We are leaving that. I'll be a lovely father when I get back home. Yeah. <clears throat> but until then i've got to go out and i've got to get wield my axe and like take that's out it. every other person in my path that's it because we're going to battle and, it, and it's so so interesting and i want to offer some invitations for the people that are joining us today in terms of just take a second just to pause breathe in where in your life right now are you showing up as a whole person or are you wearing those marks of fear or you know conformity because of fears of you know, loss of job or 
you know, and they're all perception, they're all thoughts, yeah, like it's not real. But what are those thoughts that maybe are going through your head right now that aren't actually true, but are maybe holding you back from showing up as a whole person? So I just want to offer that invitation as we, mm-hmm. as, as we continue, Adrian. And I, yeah. what I like about these flowy chats, our listeners have heard us having a chat for the last 10 minutes. Let's have a, who, who is Adrian like? Where is all of this view and sort of philosophy and what drives you as Adrian? So maybe... No, in the past when I had another podcast, yeah, I spent time introducing, and I feel it's much more organic and natural to flow and then go. Actually, okay, where where is this experience <laughs> and awareness and view your unique view on the world? How has that come to be? Give us a bit more about it, Adrian. Ooh, how, how... You don't have time for that, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a five-minute version. I will, I will. I will try and condense it for you. Um, I'm unconventional. Uh, n- not my fault. Promise. Um, I had an unconventional upbringing compared to a lot of people. Not not everybody, but a lot of people. Um, my wife would describe me as complicated, uh, as she <laughs> as she has done when we have our little tips. You're a very complicated manager. I, my parents uh, were born abroad. So I spent a lot of time in foreign countries uh, growing up. And I saw a different way of life when I was very, very young. So I was impacted from very young. To be specific, um, I, I spent a lot of time growing up in India. And... As you can imagine, there, there was a lot of poverty, especially growing up as I did in the 70s there. There's a lot of poverty, a lot of disease, a lot of illness, a lot of sickness, uh, social issues, racial tensions. There was just problems. And, and I grew up amongst that um, outside my grandparents' house. You, you, you just see it in the street. It affected me very badly from a very young age. And when I started school um, in this country, I was already a changed person. I was a very uh, soft, empathetic, sympathetic, uh, considerate, uh, timid, shy, um, sort of brokenhearted little boy, if you you want. And I didn't fit in with how sort of my my school colleagues were, which is very brash, bullying. You know, this is the way of the world. We've got to do this. And after everything that I'd seen, um, I, I couldn't, I didn't feel like I fitted in at all. And I spent most of my adolescence in that way where I felt left out. I felt on the outside. I felt that there was something wrong with the society that I was now growing up in compared to the very real life, the harshness of true life, utter abject poverty that I had seen. Um, in India was they came obviously to England and and everybody was we had the first world problems you know and it it never sat right with me and I began to philosophize from a very young age um, just trying to figure out where I belonged who I was and I, I, I found it very difficult actually I just wanted to lose myself in books and reading um, anything that that would would stimulate me and encourage my my humanness uh, and I found it very, very difficult to actually find work when I became eligible to, to, to find a job. All I knew was that I wanted to help people. After everything that I'd seen, all the experiences I'd had, I just knew I wanted to help people. I wasn't intelligent enough, or I'm, I'm just not that way that I, I could be a doctor. Uh, if, I, if I had those qualities, I certainly would have been. Um, 
So what I discovered was um, I found myself, and it was accident, it wasn't uh, purposeful, I found myself working for the police. And I found a way to help people um, in the sense that when I dealt with people, I dealt with them as me. We're talking about uniforms. I didn't wear a uniform. Again, I'm, I'm a unique kind of guy. I was allowed uh, to join the police force without actually having to uh, do all the training that they did. I didn't have to wear the uniform. I didn't have to walk the beat. I didn't have to do Friday night patrols outside nightclubs or anything, anything like that. Um, I was a detective in all but name. And so I dealt with some extremely heinous crimes and dealt with the victims of those crimes, uh, rape victims, pedophile victims, uh, families left behind after a suicide. And I was really able to be myself and show them the empathy that they required in that moment, really listen to them. And by way of doing that, I was able to eke out information that, that the police themselves needed in order to help with the investigation of the case. And that's where I'm trying to help others understand if you are a compassionate person, if you have sensitivity, you can use that to good advantage, not bad advantage, to good advantage to get the best out of everybody. I mean, I had people saying to me, oh, you're not like a, a regular police officer. And that used to hurt. It used to fuel my ego a little bit. It used to massage my ego. Oh, great, you know, great, you know. But at the same time, I thought, well, but, but that's sad. Why aren't all police officers like this? Why aren't they all caring? I mean, I'm sure they're very nice people when they go home. Why is it when they put on the uniform, they become this cold, hard, made of steel person, this almost robotic response to, 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 to stimuli? Why can't we still be the same soft as jelly person inside? And, and all these sort of things used to, you know, used to think about, and I still think about every day, you know, how can I just be me? And how can I bring value to other people through my experiences um, and, and, and help people. It's all I know how to do is just to help people. I, I don't really have any qualifications in the sense of uh, uh, scientific qualifications or anything like that. I, I just know how to listen to my heart and, and do my best for, for, for my fellow human. Thank you so much for sharing. It's such a rich, so I've had a few, a fair few conversations with new peers actually in India. And so, as you may know, I work in the chemical industry and, you know, really in a bit of a network mission myself to try and better understand what is the lived experience of people that live in different parts of the world. And it's just so, I just really respect you and thank you for like just how you're showing up, Adrian, because on the one hand, as you say, I don't have the scientific qualifications and that's what we've sort of overdone for so long now isn't it and, and it feels like we are at that point now of actually oh my god we do need to blend now, logic is good science is very good you know we do want this vaccine you know all the rest of it but you can't do all of that without caring or we can't anymore and if, if anything apart from this this pandemic's brought in amongst all of the destruction and all of the the hurt is a massive awakening that we cannot go back to whatever that version of normal was and I don't think it would be equitable or fair if we did personally absolutely and the qualification all of qualifications in this world are are so useful and integral in life obviously but they shouldn't be the be all and end all they shouldn't be the measurement stick or the only measurement stick they shouldn't just be that one measurement stick did he pass this exam and how well did he pass this exam you know did, did he did he pass with a 2-1 with a or a 2-2? That, that shouldn't be the measurement. Can you do the job? 
going back to India, um, you get in a taxi with someone who barely looked 16 as the driver, probably hadn't passed any driving test, but they can drive, right? You can do the job. Does it, you don't have to have the qualification necessarily to be able to do certain roles. Obviously, there are always roles that you do need to have studied hard and long for. But there are many things in our life. Look at what we do at home, for goodness sake. Do we have a qualification in being a parent? Some might argue yeah, that, 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 should be, that should be something that's brought in. But you get my drift. Absolutely. We just do things. Cooking, cleaning, whatever it is. Caring. Look how many carers there are who aren't qualified as carers by our own standards of qualification of caring. You can do things. If you have the heart and the will to do it, you can do it. And if only we could get employers or, or, or business people or, or, or enterprises to see this, to see the value, to look beyond the CV. The CV needs to change altogether. What is it you do at home? What do you like doing? Where's your passion? I don't want to know what, what, what you got in your grades at, at Jesus E and A level. I don't care. Who are you right now? What is it you do regularly? Yeah, you enjoy that? Okay, that's great. So you're a people person. Great, I've got just the job for you. I know you've never done it before, but you say you, you, you love meeting people and going out. I mean, that's great. Sounds great. And, you know, I'm having, I'm getting those vibes now in the interview. So therefore, you're perfect for, for a role I've got sorted out for you. But going back to elitism, we still have this, this elitist process where we like to segregate people. Unless you come up to this standard, you're not even going to be in the running. We don't do this in sport. We have opens for this reason. Why can't we have opens for, 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 for employment? It's such a good point. And do you know something? And this is new, new learning for me over the last 12 months. You know, I think what you're speaking to, and again, I'm not a historian, but the system is a colonial-based system. Yes, it is, actually. Yes, it is. It's about domination and separation. It is, 100%. And we've got to change, like, that has to change. Because Absolutely. we are part of nature, as you've sort of alluded to brilliantly. Like, we are one, and like we are going to, like, it is a spiritual statement, but it's also a matter of fact. Like, the trees, the plants, us as humans, other animals, like, it is all part of the same stuff. And, and yet those people who can bring us so much, you know what we're doing with those people? We are exploiting them, because those are the people who go to work for charities. They go and work in charity shops for nothing. They're the people who are literally the carers. Who, who, who we overlook and we don't, we don't pay a salary to. We're just grateful. Oh, thank goodness that person's got a heart. I'm afraid that's not good enough because those people are going to die out very soon because they're not getting sustenance, both financial, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual. They're getting left out. We're using elitism. Well, you know, he doesn't have a qualification. She doesn't have a qualification, so they can't move up the ladder. Why does there even have to be a ladder? They're doing a job that another human being needs them to do. I'm sorry. This, this is really powerful because what I want to hold space for as well in this moment is think about the last 12 months. You that are joining us today, which are the roles that actually matter when it comes to a crisis or you have to navigate change as business as usual? It's our humanity. It's those humanitarian skills that you exude beautifully. Like It doesn't matter if you've got a 20 billion bank account, if you've got COVID and you're dead. And you don't have someone looking after you on a ventilator. Like, what does it mean? Like, honestly, when it comes to that moment, what does all of these possessions of materialism actually mean if we don't have water and food exactly. 
the community. We haven't evolved from the days of the pharaohs where we still attribute value to money, to gold, to a mineral wealth. We know the truth, but we choose not to look at it. We know these people are our are, are lifeline, our lifeblood, the people who care about us, our mothers, our fathers, our, our family members, our husbands, our wives, our lovers. These are people that nourish us for free because they love us, they care about us. They don't do it for, for, for monetary value. And then we get companies saying, you know, we want people that, that, that you know, are going to be good customer-facing people. Well, where's the love? People have to love other people. Where's the incentive? If you're just going to rely on people to do it for free, you're exploiting them. And that's something we should be ashamed of doing. We either need to be looking at uh, remuneration, financial rewards, salaries again, and rethinking this whole structure of climbing a ladder, a corporate ladder, in order to earn more money. Based on what? We're talking about leadership. Oh, well, they've gone up the ladder because, you know, they've proved themselves to be good leaders. There are leaders who are at the bottom of the floor, the shop floor. I mean, literally. And they're showing their compatriots or their colleagues, well, you know, this is the way to do it. And we're not, we're not, we're not thanking them. We're not doing anything. We're not doing right by them. The, the whole thing needs an overhaul. It just needs an overhaul. That is why this podcast exists, for rich conversations like this to invite us in to what can we reimagine within our own little nucleus and fulcrum, could be your family unit, could be your friendship group, right through to those that do have responsibility for where the funding for NGOs goes or political leaders or business leaders. Like, we have to reimagine. We have to reimagine what work and living on this planet looks like, and that's why this podcast exists. And I think you're just speaking... I was speaking to my good friend, Samantha Sapaya, who, who's sort of very much a key part of this, this platform. Our conversation coming up soon with another friend, uh, Lorraine Smith, in some, we're talking about the very impending and real risk of financial collapse of the system. It is a Ponzi scheme. It is yes. completely, this wealth that we think we're creating is thin air. It has no substance. It's all built on beliefs and fear. And it's not many people realize that, Adrian. No, and that's, that's the worrying aspect. People aren't aware of it. And, and they're being educated by the system that they're born into, that they live, that they breathe. There is this them and us. The whole way that, as I going again in a great big circle, going back to the beginning, that whole them and us also is the same as uh, work and home. We, we, have, we have this this differentiator in between. We have this, 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 this barrier between the real and the not real. I'm a real person at home. I'm a real person with my close friends and my family. And I'm not quite being real when I go to work because if I was to be real, I'd probably get the sack. And, and, and that just, that needs to change. I love it. Adrian, we're moving towards wrapping up. I want you to imagine with me for a moment. Like, what is, what role do you see you doing? Like, I want to I go out like six months, six years. You are waving a magic wand right now. I'm really intrigued because I just love, love, love the fact you're not only philosophical and well-read and understand how the world works, in my opinion, and I really respect you and thank you for that. 
but there's a meaning you know there's an understanding and a depth to you that truly does want to make a difference and a dent in the world positively so what do you imagine your role being in the, in sort of the months and years ahead i uh, i would love um to be a counselor at some level i, I want to help people um i want them to talk to me and for me to shut up and listen and for me to empathize with them and if they seek my opinion to ask my opinion and, and I, I want to soothe them, help them, make them feel that they are heard and understood and build a friendship out of a rapport, which can then be passed on. Beautiful. Oh my goodness. Doesn't the world need more of that right now? Yeah, it does. It really does. Adrian, awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. So, um, such a rich exploration. How can people find you? What's the best way for people to contact you? Gosh, uh, I would say LinkedIn is just the best. Just just look me up by my name and uh, find me on there and just send me a message. You know, I reply to everybody. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much of, uh, as I have. And I, I just love how we've weaved from the philosophical to the practical. You know, there is a lot of big picture stuff in this conversation. There's always some really real actionable steps, i.e. number one for me, how are you showing up? And there's no judgment in that. Are you a whole person or are you giving away your power very innocently when you step through that work door? That's my number one invitation. Anything else you'd offer our listeners as an invitation? That's perfect, Gary. No, just a little more introspection. Don't give yourself, as you just said, don't give yourself away completely. Realize who you are at home. Think about that when you're not at home think about the person you are and be that person as far as you're able to stunning what a beautiful invitation to activate more consciousness in the world just love it thank you adrian you've been, you're very you've welcome been a joy. thank you so much cheers thank you so much for joining us in that recent exploration we hope you gained some value and we'd love to learn from you what you took away what maybe challenged you what new ideas that you have Please do share this on your social media platforms if you feel moved. And you can find out more about HexoChange at hexochangenow.com where you can subscribe for the weekly or bi-weekly updates where I'll update you with regard to in-person events, blogs, blogs, service offerings, and other thoughts and ideas that come to mind. Hope to see you around.